dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. The fact is, living a Christian life in the world is exhausting. Bringing our best to what God wants us to be in this world today is demanding. How can we respond? Where will we find the energy? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Come, O Holy Spirit, Father of the poor, illumine the hearts of thy faithful and enkindle in them the fire of thy love. Send forth thy spirit and they shall be created and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who didst instruct the hearts of thy faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us in the same spirit to be truly wise and ever to rejoice in his consolation. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. St. John. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, I'd like to go a little bit deeper with you today because there's a message that I want to make resound, and it is this. Our culture today requires leaders who are willing to transform it. This is not an option anymore. The fact is, if you do not stand for something, you will fall for anything. And I don't mean that just as a glib statement. I mean that as a point of fact. The American culture today is a, the culture that is driven by a free market economy. I like to call it a free market culture. Free market economy, it means that if you want to do a business, you can and if you want to succeed at your business, it's going to be up to how bad you want to make it work. And if you want to make it work bad enough, you're going to make it work. There was a study that was done recently where they asked and, and, and looked at successful executives who had started their own businesses. And they looked across their personality profiles at what it was that made them successful. Some went to great schools, some didn't go to great schools, some came from established capital bases, others did not, others had, you know, and they tried to say, is there a factor that they all have in common? And when they did the analysis, they found that the single most determinant factor to whether or not someone was going to succeed in American business from a ground up to the top was one single word, grit. G-R-I-T, grit. Now, this is amazing because for a lot of us, we don't look at our religion and we don't look at our family life as places where grit is inculcated. We look at these kind of like our family life as a place where emotionally we're more or less connected and gratified and we watch our kids 
and hope that they do good things. And then we look at our religion as a place of emotional kind of like connectedness if we happen to like that kind of thing. And the, our world, it, the economy and the culture in a modern day America is so compelling and so gripping that we regularly turn from reality into our iPhones just to see what everyone else is doing. Because what everyone else is doing is always so captivating. I just want to see what's going on in the world. And I act like my own personal life isn't even real. I, I don't pay attention to the people in front of me because I'm worried about what's happening in Washington. And so I'm turning to my iPhone, I'm watching it, I'm understanding it all the time. And we act like that type of behavior is what's really going on. What's going to take place at the Super Bowl this year? Who's going to win the National College Football Championships, right? Or what's happening in the, in the hockey leagues around the world? It, it, and we become captivated with these things because we think that here they, they seem to want our attention. This is a free market economy and a free market culture. So the business people who want to distract you by their particular businesses, and that's what sports are, we all know it. And that's what politics is, by the way, at the same time, and we all know it. These business models are driving and pulling our lives' attentions towards them. And this is the way that it will be until the end of time in America, because this is what American culture has produced. We are a culture that's defined by business. Now, I, I agree this is not the best the definition because of obviously a, family sh a, a culture should be defined by family and by faith. And, and we obviously have family and faith extremely present in the American culture. But we can't deny that the trend that we have today is a trend where the business world is infiltrating with the messaging proper to it every crevice of our life. So what am I supposed to do in, in a world like that? Well, how do I preserve my family values? How do I preserve the life, the style that I want to live? How do I live as a disciple of Jesus Christ who loves him and wants to inculcate his values and bring his values into this world? The, the very first thing I have to accept is that I am in a competition. You can't evangelize American culture, which means you can't transform it without accepting competition. This is just na the nature of the beast. And a lot of the Catholics that I end up dealing with are Catholics who bemoan, who complain, who cry about all the things that are happening in the world. And then they don't want to accept the fight that's necessary to make the transformations that they want to see happen. And so they sit back. It's almost like we want to pout and say, you know what? We really should just, everything should be different. Everything should be different. Instead of saying, well, if you think it should be different, then why don't you make it different? And, I, and this is the challenge I want to make. If you think it should be different, why don't you make it different? Is this the life you want to live or not? Do you want your next 10 years to be like your last 10 years? The question is yours. Now, what you, I can do so much for you. The, the Lord can do so much for you, but the Lord will not replace you. Now, what, what, that means that I've got to accept, hey, wait a second. If I am a Catholic in America today, then I need to embrace the fact that that is going to be abrasive. <laughs> I need to accept the struggle as part of my story. 
it's not a struggle against this person or a struggle against that person. It's a struggle to make the values that I know need to be present, present. It cannot be done in a free market culture and a free market economy without embracing that struggle. In other words, there is an effort and an energy that's required for you to become the person and to live the life and share the values that you know you're supposed to become and that you're supposed to share. It's just going to be the nature of the culture that you're in today. I want to ask you to embrace that struggle. And I want to say that the embracing that struggle will cause you to become the leader that Christ is asking you to become. Your sanctification in Christ will be a sanctification that comes through that type of struggle and blessed be his name for it. What an awesome opportunity. This is how he wants us to sanctify ourselves by engaging, engaging our talent, engaging our passion, engaging our faith in pursuit of that one great thing, which is to share the light. Father Nathan is producing an ongoing source of videos to form, unite, and inspire you and your family. Go to eagleeyeministries.org. That's E-A-G-L-E-E-Y-E ministries.org. And subscribe to Eagle Eye Pro. Subscribe today. Embracing difficulty, the difficulty of making our voice heard, uh, is the key to succeeding in making that voice heard. I want to give you a concrete example, right? Think about how you speak to your children. We've got to remember that your voice to your children is no longer in a vacuum. You're not the only one speaking to them. Their soccer coach is speaking to them. Their friends are speaking to them. And their friends are speaking to them with a voice that comes from what their friends see on TV, what their friends look at on their phones, how their friends are influenced by their cultural surroundings. And they have their ear. Their teachers are speaking to them sometimes with agendas that come straight out of the government, which is not always the healthiest type of agenda to have. Your world view as a child is shaped by all kinds of voices. How strong is the voice of their parents in their ears? Do you spend as much time talking to your child as video games talk to them, as TVs talk to them? Think about it. It, what it means is that if I'm going to hear, have my voice heard with my child, I'm going to have to work at it. It's no longer taken for granted. You now have competition. And the people that want to have your children listen to them are absolutely assiduous in this battle. And they have put funding behind that battle. And they want your child to believe that if they don't have their pair of jeans that they're trying to sell, that they are somehow not beautiful. And that if they don't have these tennis shoes, they somehow lack value. They give the messaging constantly and your children are absolutely absorbing it. Where are you on the field? Well, you say, well, I mean, Father, I don't even know how to do this. You don't need to know, have to know how to do this. It's a matter of wanting to do it. And you could take that same cultural battle and look at it from other angles. You could take that into the, the, the cultural battle that you have to play in, in your faith life to make your faith actually have time during your day. 
I mean, how many people tell me, Father, I don't have any time to pray. I don't have any time to pray. I'd like to say, stop for a second. When do you think you're going to have time to pray? Do you think it's going to be when you have a 25th hour in your day? Because I got news for you. You're never going to get a 25th hour. <laughs> it doesn't happen. Oh, God, give me an eighth day of the week and I'll give it to you. And he's like, I gave you a seventh and you refused. So the moment you give me the seventh, maybe I'll give you a, a mystical eighth. Doesn't it happen that way often? As soon as we decide to make time for God, we end up finding the time that we didn't have. It's true. And you hear stories about this all the time with people who tithe. And I remind you, by the way, the Catholic Church requires as a law Catholics to support uh, the church and, and to a significant portion of their income. Uh, you can spread that around to charitable causes that also support the church's mission. Absolutely. But the fact is, if money, if you're not giving money away, money just might be your God. And you got to be really careful of that. The Bible tells us this. It's very quick that we slip into it. And the same thing goes with our time, right? Just as people will tell me, as this moment, Father, that we decided to start tithing, it was amazing that God blessed us. I recently heard of a man who said, you know, the more money that I give away to God, the more he seems to give to me. And, and there's a, a little bit of a test there for us, but it's a beautiful test to say, I will be faithful to God by the sacrifice of my time to him. And God, if, you, if I give you that time, will you please make sure that I get done what I need to get done? I'm not saying to exaggerate. I'm not saying to give, you know, all kinds, to obviously neglect the charges that's in front of you. But I am saying to think about it. Just how many days are you willing to let go by without prayer? I mean, how many weeks are you going to be willing to go by without going to Mass? I mean, you guys, oh, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. Well, then five years have gone by. You have missed five years of the life that God wanted you to live. And you put it on the side for something else. I mean, you made that choice. And it was because it's just so hard, Father, the combat, the constant grind, the difficulty for me to, to actually live out that call that Christ has given me to live, it's hard. And so we sit back. But my friends, I'm telling you, when you choose to sit back, you let someone else lead you. And if you do this consistently in the culture that's around you in modern day America, you will end up being a lemming, a hollow shell of a person. Because the forces of the culture around us are so big that they will take every moment of your free time and every moment of the freedom that you allow them and they will dominate it for their own purposes. This is just the nature of what it means to live connected in today's world. The news wants at you. Your apps are going off with alerts constantly. Your phone is going off in your pocket. And when you try to put that off, the newspaper comes in the front door. From the fit and it trails around with magazines that are there on your tables and then books that are on your shelves. These are all ideas and voices that are looking to get into the crevices of your mind and to be there. And if you let them and follow after every single one of those ideas or those traces, you will have nothing left of yourself. It's a simple fact. Now, what am I going to do about it? The fact is, instead of bewailing it, and saying and bemoaning it and complaining about it. What if I were to say, hey, these voices and this time and this energy that's in my life is only there because I am not. 
In other words, it's only to the degree that you yield to water that water can enter into your house. If you keep the, the door shut and the roof on, the water won't come into your house. Well, if you fill your soul voluntarily with passion, drive, energy, love, prayer, compassion, God, the Holy Spirit, well, the, there won't be room in your soul for other people to come in and claim it for their various business enterprises or their various great ideas. The person that's missing in your life is you. There's a line from St. Augustine that's very profound. He says, the God who created us without us will not redeem us without us. The God who created us without us will not redeem us without us. And this is a very profound insight into what makes us tick as Catholics. What makes us tick is that God wants us to be fully alive. And I cannot be fully alive unless I choose in various moments and in various ways in my life to engage my greatness and to engage my potential towards what he's calling me to claim. This engagement is just critical. And, and my friends, it's what our young people are missing. They sit back and they think that somehow or other in, in their life, they're great because of what they have or they're great because of what they're connected to. The people that they're following on Instagram end up defining whether or not, who, what their personality is. And what's missing there? What's missing is the sense that they can be great without the people that they're following on Instagram. What if you didn't know what Justin Bieber was doing for one day? Could you imagine your life? What if you didn't know what was happening in Washington for one day? Could you, could, you know, that's more of an adult question, but could you, could, what would happen with you then? The fact is, most of us would feel like, oh my gosh, I'd be so empty inside. That's a problem. You, you, you cannot replace you. You cannot replace passion. You cannot replace knowledge. And you must not allow anybody else to act like they can. Christ is calling you out of the tombs to stand in the light as a son of light, as a daughter of light. Will you accept this call? Are you looking for a way to go deeper in your Catholic faith, find friends, and discover the reason why Christ put you on this earth? If so, I want to invite you to a very special program with Eagle Eye Ministries called Ecclesia, running from June 25th to July 26th at Walsh University in Ohio, this is the very best program at Eagle Eye Ministries. Sign up now, ecclesia.eagleeyeministries.org. Registration closes February 8th. Sign up now. So I've spoken with you just a little bit about the combat right, that, we, that we need to wage. It's, it's a combat that's firstly with ourselves. Let's be honest about it. I can't fight the culture. I can't fight the news. I can't fight all these different things. And at, at, I can't do all of this like in a vacuum. The person who's going to do all this is the number one thing, and that's going to be me. And this is what Jesus Christ has come to the earth for, to claim me. Isn't it amazing that when he wanted to transform the world, he chose people to do it? Like, why didn't he just come down with a big, I don't know, thundercloud and send his grace down and say, I'm now transforming the culture, transforming the culture. 
<laughs> I'm God. I'm transforming the culture. I made the earth out of nothing. Now I'm going to make a holy culture out of nothing. He's like, no. When the world was under the, the, the domination of sin, he summoned Abraham. And he said to Abraham, leave your kindred and your country and your father's house and go to the land that I will show you. And Abraham went. He called David from tending his father's sheep to be the king of Israel. And David accepted. He called the prophets Amos from being a trimmer of sycamores to become a prophet to his people, and Amos did it. He called the Virgin Mary to be the mother of God, and she said, let it be done unto me. He changes the world through people, and those people have to engage. He will not change your world without you. He will not be the father to the children that you need to be. He's asked you to be that role and he's given you that responsibility of freedom. And I'm here today to ask in his name that you engage that freedom towards the mighty cause to which he's called you. You stop acting like someone can replace you. You stop acting like someone else can do the job for you. You realize that he has summoned you for that glorious mission. And he wants you to accomplish it in his name. Oh my God, I am not worthy. There's nothing that I can do towards this. Who am I to love such a holy woman as my wife that you've given to me? Who am I that you, that to, to honor a husband like the one you've given to me? You know my weakness. You know how little I am. And he says to each one of us, I do know how little you are. And that's why I'm calling you to rely upon me. You see, this is where religion comes in. Today, a lot of people will say, you know, I just don't know if I really need God. A lot of the people that, that in our lives, they turn to us to say, I don't feel like I need God. This is why kids can turn their backs on their faith. Why? Because they don't feel like they really need him. Anyone who says that they don't need God is probably not trying hard enough. You begin to realize that you need God the moment that you realize that you're called to strive to do something greater than your own strength. When you know that you have to raise those kids and you know that you can't, you want to make a good person out of your spouse and you realize that you're not a good person yourself. As soon as you get in touch with your inadequacies, you can reach out to his greatness and his power. Is this exactly what happens at Mass? We start the holiest sacrifice of the Mass by recognizing that we are absolutely unworthy to be there. And we ask upon God for God for his mercy. We call upon his name for his strength. So many of us, again, in our culture, I don't see the place of religion. Most of the time it's because we're asleep. We're letting other people dominate our life. We're giving our Saturday afternoons away to football, our Sunday mornings over to soccer practice, and we then say to ourselves, well, it's true, like I don't really know why I need God. And I would say, I agree. The lifestyle that you're living right there is a lifestyle where everyone else in the world has taken your life from you. You're not engaging. You're not standing for anything. You'll agree with whatever opinions people say that you need to agree with. 
You'll watch whatever TV shows people say you're supposed to watch. You'll just dance the dance that someone else has had you to dance because, and the whole time you're doing it, you're thinking that you're alive, but you're not. I remember the, the, the piercing gaze of Jesus that he gives to his churches in the book of Revelation. That's a piercing gaze. In the book of Revelation, the Holy Spirit writes a letter to each of the churches. And I just want to read to you from one of them in particular because it's so apropos to what we're saying here today. This is the letter to the church in Sardis. It says this. This is Revelation chapter 3, verse 2. I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your works complete in the sight of God. You have the reputation for being alive, but you are dead. And we say again, like, why? I feel like my life is so full. I've got all kinds of of things and commitments. And I would say, you know what? It, it, it could be full of things and commitments if you are committed to them. Have you chosen the life that you live? Have you chosen it freely? I mean, is it the life that you want to live? If it is, then you can fill it with God. But wherever your choice is not, there's nothing that God can do. Stop playing a victim of your life and blaming where you're at and, and how you're living upon everybody else who's impinging upon it. Choose who you are. You got to choose to engage. And that choice is the key to leadership. It's the entrance point into leadership. It's, it's not a question of leadership towards others. I'm talking about the mastery of yourself. The more that I can forge that character and understand and embrace who I am, to the degree that I can do that, that it, 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 to that same degree, God can use me as his instrument. But to make that choice, I need him. How many of us right now want to make that choice? How many of us want to say, I want to be the father, the, and I want to be the, the wife, I want to be the mother that God is calling me to be. I want to be that Christian friend that I really want I want to be that presence of Christ that I know I can be. I just want you to open your hearts, bow your heads, and repeat after me, Lord, I know that I am a sinner and I know that I am unworthy, but I know that you have called me to great things. And today I choose, I trust you. Lord, make of me whatever you want. I am yours. Dare great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at info at stjohninstitute.org. That's info at stjohninstitute.org. And don't forget to subscribe to premium video content to form, unite, and inspire you at Eagle Eye Pro on our website, eagleeyeministries.org. That's eagleeyeministries.org.